Welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is Abby Martin. This is Robbie Martin. So, Robbie, we, I've been getting a lot of great feedback about our psychedelic series so far. Uh, parts one through four are out. Everyone, check them out if you have not already. Uh, they're pretty amazing. My brother did some really amazing stuff to just production value wise, just really awesome soundtracks, clips. Uh, super proud of them. I tabled at the People's Summit for the last couple days and uh, quite a few people told me that they had listened to them so thanks so much you guys nice. um, we are taking a little bit of a break just to catch up on some headlines just for a shorter Media Roots Radio episode today because we're about to continue the series later on this month so stay tuned for that yeah we got two we got at least two more in the chamber um, there's there's so much more story to tell so yeah excited to tell it and the feedback um I've gotten that I've appreciated the most is like people who remember like every granular detail of, you know, the, the stories that we're going over. Cause it's such, I, it feels like sometimes to me, it feels like such a small obscure fringe, um, you know, niche thing that very few people were following like I was, but I've gotten lots of feedback from people who are like, who remembered all the names of the stores you could buy, like psychedelic drugs from in the early two thousands and, the chat rooms um they remember bob wallace and the forums and it's pretty fun to to get that kind of feedback so that's awesome i'm super excited about continuing the series robbie so much has happened (laughs) seems like mass tragedy is just a constant thing in this country um and the news cycle just continues every 24 hours there's just another horrific thing going on i can't even believe that we haven't talked about the row v wade being overturned leak coming out you know the olvade and buffalo mass shootings that have happened there's just so much to talk about and we kind of wanted to touch on a lot of it um but yeah i mean i don't even know where to start oh i guess i guess i'll start with with something that put me in the news recently that was pretty fun um confronting antony blinken the secretary of state Uh, i got an incredible chance to attend kind of an offshoot of like the summit of the Americas, Biden's failed Latin American summit that he tried to basically reinstate them in row doctrine, you know, reassert America's global dominance, especially when it comes to our Latin American neighbors, you know, what he's called our front yard. Um, and it was a huge embarrassment for him. Mexico, um, Obrador, the leader of Mexico boycotted the summit, which is a fucking enormous, like, embarrassment, you know, to have Mexico not come because of the exclusion of Nicaragua, Cuba, and Venezuela. Um, And of course, all of this was under the pretense of that these, you know, these countries are dictatorships and they don't adhere to human rights. And meanwhile, we're allied with some of the most totalitarian, uh, you know, police state dictatorships and theocratic monarchies. So um, it's pretty hypocritical, pretty cartoonish. And actually quite a few countries that did attend took the time to excoriate Biden for the continued embargo against Cuba and the exclusion of these countries. So it was a misfire on all fronts. 
Um, and when you see pictures even of like the attendance of this, of the, um, some of the Americas, it was, it was quite mortifying how little people were actually invested in this. Um, which brings me to, you know, this, this uh, event that I attended, I was really under the impression that it would be like totally packed. You know, you have Luis Almagro, the head of the OAS, um, which is the Organization of American States, which is essentially like a regime change front funded by the United States run by this guy, this, um, this guy from Uruguay who, you know, totally backed the coup in Bolivia. Like the list goes on and on back the the farcical Juan Guaido that still is recognized as the president of Venezuela. It's very cartoonish. And so I just thought like, oh my God, these two pretty big figures, you know, the secretary of fucking state is going to be there. Two pretty big political figures. Obviously there's going to be like a ton of like journalism students and press there to report on this. And I got in with the breakthrough news crew and I was just totally floored to see that like barely anyone was there. It was just kind of a handful of foreign press with like literally no students whatsoever there. So it was basically really just quickly, like a PR. Who is breakthrough News? Breakthrough News is, uh, it's called BT News also. It's um, my friend Rania Kalik, Eugene Perrier. A lot of great people are running this kind of grassroots operation and just really good analysis, like left analysis about all of these global issues with an anti-imperialist, anti-capitalist bent. So great news outlet. And so they were in town for the People's Summit, this enormously successful People's Summit that organized delegates and, you know, over 200 organizations from a lot of these countries that were excluded. Incredible, inspiring event. And so I don't even know why there's like an Arizona State University hub in Los Angeles, but that's where this was. It's the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication that was hosting Anthony Blinken and Luis Almagro. And so we go there. Fascinating. We go there and there was just no one there at all. Um, One of the guys that was there, I guess, from Breakthrough News too, his name's Walter Smolarik. And he, I don't know if you saw this, Robbie, he like interrupted Luis Almagro's talk in the most incredible disruption I've ever seen because it was just like uninterrupted, like four minute long, (laughs) (laughs) just complete ruiner. Um, and, and what was so interesting, it was like before he even disrupted it, Luis Almagro gets up there speaking with the former editor of National Geographic. And it was just the most softball bullshit interview with where this woman was just like, what got you into this job? You know, like just total fucking bullshit kind of stuff. And Luis Almagro is like running this organization, pretty prominent figure, you know, really loathed across Latin America. But he couldn't even fucking think of like what to say. He had to pull out a pamphlet to like read about the OAS's charter. Um, It was really shocking how badly prepared and just poorly managed his communication skills were. I was pretty alarmed. God. Yeah. Um, so it was a joke from the get. And he's just he's stumbling through trying to explain what the OAS is and why he does what he does. And then fucking this guy, Walter, stands up and just excoriates the fuck out of him, says he's a murderer. <laughs> he's a puppet of the U.S. He goes on and on and on about the coup in Bolivia and he just goes on and on and on. And like, no, there's no apparatus whatsoever set up to deal with disruptions or to deal like any sort of security detail or anything. It was stunning. 
the fact that this guy was able to go off for so long. And finally, after like three and a half minutes, he literally like runs out of shit to say about Bolivia. So then he's like, and Venezuela, and like goes off about Juan Guaido. And then finally someone comes up and they just like put his hand on his shoulder and you hear someone yell. They're like, are you going to escort him out? Like, get him out of here. Like, finally. And Luis Almagro is just fucking stunned. And he does not find his footing after this disruption. Walter's escorted out. He does not. He His whole event is ruined. I mean, Antony Blinken is slick enough to just be able to be like, boom, and then go off on whatever the fuck bullshit canned stuff he was going to say. But like Luis was just so shaken, he could not get through the rest of his talk. So it was it was amazing to see that preempt Antony Blinken coming on stage, you know, um, waxing poetic about um, press freedom and democracy and how much the U.S. cherishes these these sacred values, right? And how the entire purpose of of the Summit of the Americas was basically to to foster um, free press and how they're going to invest tens of millions of dollars, of course, through USAID and NED in countries like Cuba and Nicaragua and Venezuela to really, you know, lift up that civil society, Robbie, because they're so repressive there, right? You can't do journalism. Free press doesn't exist. Um, freedom of speech and freedom to protest. So that that was basically his entire speech. It was very bizarre. And meanwhile, you know, right at the end of his speech, he he basically says that um, everywhere he goes, he's like, "This is why you know we live in America." He's like, "Because America really is like." like embodies like all of these things that I'm talking about. He's like, that's why everywhere I go, I take hard questions and I like really like face the challenges of, of whatever is to come. And he was like, and, and today's no exception, <laughs> like basically signaling to these three women who were going to interview him, like the most softball fucking hilarious interview it. you've ever heard in Dude. your life. He was basically like, this is why, like I'm doing this event here today. And of course there was no questions from the <laughs> audience. Of course there was no Q and a, you know, so everyone's there to just report and just transcribe the bullshit that he's, you know, just regurgitate what the State Department's saying about, about um, you know, <laughs> this like PR. And so mm-hmm. the moment, I just knew the moment that he stopped talking before he sat down and did this um, pre-scripted thing with these women, I just knew that it was my moment to just say what I needed to say. You know, as a journalist, I felt like it was it, it was an opportune time to just interject something that just exposed the the absurd levels of hypocrisy, right? Uh, that we all understand and know today. And of course, um, Eugene Perrier also made a really incredible statement about Haiti. You know, why is Haiti invited to the Summit of the Americas when the the current president was potentially involved in the assassination of the former prime minister, Mm -hmm. uh, potentially with the help of like U.S. mercenaries, like U.S. funded mercenaries. So that was really amazing. And of course, Blinken shooed that off and said, we're still investigating it. And then I just jumped at the chance and asked about Shireen Abu Akleh, the Palestinian American journalist who was uh, deliberately targeted and executed by Israeli snipers. Secretary Blinken, what about Shireen Abu Akleh? She was murdered by Israeli forces. Right, CNN just agreed to this. These are your two greatest allies in the Middle East, Saudi Arabia and Again, Israel. They uh, have murdered American journalists and there have been absolutely no repercussions. And you're sitting up here talking about the freedom of press and democracy. The United States is denying sovereignty to tens of millions of people around the world with draconian sanctions for electing leaders that you do not like. Why is there no accountability for Israel or Saudi Arabia for murdering 
journalists. It is one of the most dangerous places in the world to be a journalist in Palestine. I deplore the loss of uh, Shereen. Um, she was a remarkable journalist, an American citizen, uh, as you all know, and there too. We are determined to follow the facts and get to the truth the facts of what happened. Secretary Blinken, no, all they have respect. not. No, they, I'm respect. sorry, with respect, they have not yet been established. Yes, looking it has. For, no, they have not. We are looking for an independent, credible investigation. When that investigation happens, we will follow the facts wherever they lead. It's, it's uh, as straightforward as that. That has not yet happened, but it's something that we very much want to see happen. And we'll have time after Thank the you. panel, of course, Thank to talk more. Several investigations from CNN, Al Jazeera, AP just did one that just came out this week with audio forensics experts, ballistic experts, uh, eight eyewitness testimonies that conclusively say that Israeli snipers targeted her and killed her. And it wasn't just accidental in the line of fire. She literally, they knew who she fucking was. We know that this is what they CNN. do. And we know that this is what they did with Razan al-Najjar. CNN are anti-Israel, though. That's what uh, the <laughs> Times of Israel and Herats said in their extremely long editorials, basically saying that every quote-unquote expert that CNN sought for a, like opinion or remarks on their investigation was like, a terrorist, basically. They were basically saying that like every Palestinian witness and like person that CNN in contact was basically like a terrorist. That's incredible. Like in their articles. Yeah, CNN yeah. notoriously anti-Israel publication. Just hilarious kind was, of stuff, dude. Well, can I just say something yeah, else course, funny? Please. Is that when I searched for that, because I was trying to search for you getting into the news, of course, because yeah, yeah. I'm your brother. And I was like, oh, I'm, I want to see, I'm proud of my sister for confronting Anthony Blinken. This is fucking crazy. It was also funny that I had no idea it was coming and I just saw the video either maybe you sent it to me, didn't say what it was, and I when I watched it, I was like, holy shit, it's Abby like confronting Anthony <laughs> Blinken. It was like complete shock. Um, but it was really weird when I tried to search for Abby, the CNN investigation into her murder. I, I could barely actually find the results of that popping up on Google News. It was like deranked. Oh, my you know, God. It's like usually it's CNN that's upranked. Like when you search for videos on YouTube about 9-11 or anything, you always get these generic like CNN videos now. This time it was actually deranked. And all I saw was like other opinion pieces from like other Israeli papers or other papers saying it was like basically like uh, anti-Israel. Oh, my God. Piece. That CNN did. Yeah, it was, it was, and I, I, when I saw that, I was like, damn, this is crazy that when it's like when CNN actually does not toe the line on Israel, like they get deranked. Holy like I, I swear fuck. that's what I was seeing. I wasn't imagining this. <laughs> Dude, that says it all. I think it really shows you the levels yeah. that, that could be manipulated. Um, even <laughs> when an outlet just happens to do the right thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. Wow. And AP apparently conducted their own investigation as well but for some reason that that one did not get as much attention but they concluded the same exact thing cnn did talk to different people in that one it's just a total travesty and it just you know the thing is it, it made such headlines you know it was it was really incredible to see me questioning anthony blinken on democracy now and on al jazeera and oh, sweet. a lot of other places but what's amazing robbie is it's like why is that a story why is it a story when you exactly. confront a, a, an official about the murder of an American journalist? Like that that really I think anyone who's listening right now and you don't really understand like how complicit 
the media establishment is in this country, like that really says it all. The fact that this is a story. When I taught, when I just asked Nancy Pelosi a simple elephant in the room fucking question about military emissions at mm-hmm. COP26 or this, I mean, this should be what journalists are doing every fucking day. Well, that's the answer. I mean, it's it's like almost you're asking a rhetorical question, I know. But the reason why it's a story is because journalists do not do their job. And for some reason, even foreign journalists, like who are there covering this, um, and I think you'll go into that a little bit in a second, but like they don't even seem to put their own jobs at risk. Like they seem even afraid to ask confrontational questions of our leaders. Right. That, uh, the, and, that and that's just utterly like that makes it even crazier you know it makes sense why our journalists are so fucking acquiescent but for foreign journalists to behave the same way is another level of chilling i think i mean it's it's mind-blowing it is mind-blowing i think it it really is all about ladder climbing and access especially for our journalists because they know that they will never step foot in the same room with these people again and i i'm probably on like a Mm -hmm. watch list at this point being like do not let this person in because it's embarrassing and so, of course, um, you know, it's all about just the quid pro quo with these people. But for foreign journalists, you know, especially like Arabic, you know, like speaking journalists who are reporting for like um, Arab countries, I, I was pretty surprised um, that afterward, after I said what I said, and oh, by the way, Ned Price, you know, softly puts his hand on my shoulder and was like, thank you. And like, yeah, like said it like really sternly in my ear and I like turned and I was like, I'm sorry, am I, are you like telling me that I need to go? And you then had he just, to remind me who he is. He was the, I he was even... like the wiry, very dorky looking, uh, press secretary who look, look him up. He's like, he it looks like yeah, he's like yeah, eight yeah. feet tall, like very thin, um, yeah, very evasive. Yeah. yeah. Very evasive and very annoying. And he only lasted, I don't know how long. I mean, they, they've fucking run through those people. But, um, yeah, no, it was just really surreal to like have him like touch me. And I was like, am I like being escorted out? Or are you just like trying to scare me? dude?" And then he just stepped back. And then after, um, after Blinken, you know, has this really surreal exchange with these women, basically talking about how he wanted to be a New York post headline writer at one point, because he really likes the the way that their headlines are really sensational and silly. And he like brought up when he was like dead red bed. He was like, that's one that stuck with me. I was just like, what is like, how is any of this real, honestly? And these women were just like, what do we do? Like, how could we amplify your narrative more? Like the whole event was <laughs> I mean, basically- He's just trying to humanize himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's yeah, just yeah, like yeah, us. yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's just he, like he's us. He's just a regular dude. <laughs> he's just yeah. a regular dude. <laughs> And what's so funny is the whole event was framed at like how we need to disrupt the information crisis about like disinfo. Like the whole thing was basically about like Russian disinfo and how Twitter is a, is, is a haven for disinformation. And how can we amplify the State Department's message better? <laughs> how God could we like <laughs> how could we like hone in on what Blinken is trying to, to to fucking put out there in the world? It was very embarrassing for these women, especially coming after me and Eugene asking real questions. And then after the yeah. event was over, this French journalist came up to me and he was like, this is fucking, this is a fucking joke. He was like, this nice. is the future of journalism? Because that's what Blinken said. He was like, and and thank you, ladies. This is the future of journalism right here, like telling them yeah. that they were the future of journalism. And by the way, after I asked my question, they interrupted me. And they're like, we're going to, afterward, like, we're going to have time. We're going to have time. And then, like, of course, there was no time for questions after. He was whisked away, escorted out yeah, as, as immediately. Say. 
That's afterwards. That's how they fucking get you, dude, because they wanted to shut me up. And then, um, so yeah, so the French guy came up and talked shit. And then this other woman from like India, like some Indian press outlet was just like, thank you for speaking up for Palestine. Like no one ever speaks up for Palestine. And then a woman in front of me was just like, that was fucking awesome. <laughs> some other journalist. Like it was just That's funny so to get validated by like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great to get validated like that, but it's also a bit strange that even, you know, like I was saying before, like none of them would, would do something like that. And it, it's, it's because it's a for very obvious reasons. They're employed by Mm-mm. even a foreign outlet might get upset at them doing, acting like that. They'd get in it's trouble. Like, yeah. They'd lose their access yeah. to the next event or whatever. <clears throat> You know? Yeah, it's a real it's a real dilemma that that's the state of journalism. Like there aren't, I mean, it makes me wonder if there are even very many like foreign reporters who have the but independent ones. Right. I don't even think there are who like have the budget to like come over. I mean, they're pro- obviously some of those people get in at some of these events, but it hardly ever happens. You know. Yeah, you're right. Like these people were all sent from all over the world to cover the summit. You know, and they were mm-hmm. in this other event. And so it's like they could have gotten like their shit canceled. You know, they could have like lost their network money by being like refused entry into the summit after that. Because the summit was the next day starting. Or actually, no, I think the summit yeah. was all week. But it was like, yeah, I mean, they would have been in like a lot of shit. But at the same time, it's almost like, why are we doing this job, guys? Why are any of us doing this? You know, exactly. I mean, this yeah. is one of the most powerful people in the world. But he's Anthony Blinken, so maybe it's like, but it same, yeah, it's like, why are they even there? Like, what, I mean, did they, you think these places just did like really generic boilerplate reports on the event? I mean. Well, I know AP and Reuters just wrote a super stock, you know, just as they do, like just fucking press release from it, just quoting Blinken and didn't even mention yeah. the disruption or anything. So I was like, oh. So, I mean, the one newsworthy thing that came out and what he said to you is that not only is it like the official line seemingly that they think the CNN investigation is wrong, uh, which is interesting because that hadn't been reported. Um, and then also that he wants an, an independent investigation, he claims, which I would be very, very shocked if that even happened because Israel would absolutely not allow that. Right. And to think that like Israel would stand for the Biden administration basically like doing trying to do something like that absolutely never would happen like obama literally boycotting the netanyahu visit to congress was enough to like sever like the like the whatever like friendly relations there were totally at that point totally i mean so yeah no totally absolute lip service but also like somebody does need to follow up with him on that and create a a story about that because like i want to see where that goes because obviously that's not going to happen yeah he called cnn (laughs) fake news essentially i mean he basically said cnn was illegitimate and that their investigation was was faulty and it was just so funny it's like even though it's been concluded and we have every you know all these mainstream news organizations corroborating this he's still just flat out denies it because that's what these people fucking do. And there's just no accountability ever. You know, it's just so funny. It's like, you're never going to get a fucking answer from these people. You know, they're so well-trained and that's what was actually kind of impressive to me is like, he didn't even fucking skip a beat, man. I know. I noticed, uh, that was, I was surprised by that too, is that he had seemed to have the answer already to go, even though he was saying something like not 
that had been said before and he just said it very casually. Right. And he didn't even like let it affect, you know, like Luis Almagro was like fucking tripping all over himself. Um, yeah, exactly. But like Blinken was just like, all right, ladies, like, let's go. I mean, he's been yeah. in this game for decades. You know, this is a guy who was mm-hmm. next to Obama. He's 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 a well-trained little puppy dog, dude. And he knows exactly what to fucking say, even with the questions that he's never expecting. Yeah, no, it, it, it's true. So, yeah, it was really incredible. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm still kind of reeling from like the uh, the adrenaline rush of like being that close to that dead eyed, you know, dude, like the dead eyed empire lackey just straight in front of him and not being kicked out. You know, I just was able to sit back down and actually sit through his his talk after it was it was very surreal, but it really just empowered me to like just keep going. You know, I mean, people. I think people appreciate it when they see a journalist actually doing their job because it's such a rare sight, especially in this country. So, this is what all journalists should be doing on some level, but it's we've moved so past any point where this is going to happen. It's like Helen Thomas uh, was probably like the last person in that room who was actually asking hard questions, and now like the only you know, adversarial people in that room are just like right wing lackeys who just say like partisan shit, you know, that are, that's like challenging. It's great um, to see you do that. And also like just sort of, it kind of like breaks the silence in a weird way. So, I mean, yeah, hopefully it'll inspire more people to confront these assholes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it all, it, it, it's cool to see like Mike, you know, Mike's viral moment confronting Bush. And then yeah. now this guy confronting Luis Almagro, it's like, we cannot let these people rest for one second, you know? And yeah. that's especially when they're doing these, these PR fake, you know, like it's basically just like a PR event just for the cameras. And, and we just can't let them get away with it, man. We have to remind them what the reality is every single day of their lives if we have the chance. So, Robbie, one of the most horrific stories, of course, that has that happened in the past month was the Uvalde massacre at the elementary school. You know, of course, Sandy Hook was one of those horrific moments that the nation just stopped in horror, like how could little tiny toddlers be gunned down by some psychopath? And then it fucking happens again, basically, where, you know... I mean, this is so much worse, though, and I don't even want to belabor, like, all of the facts about it because I'm sure everyone was just, like, watching in horror at how the fucking police officers did this yeah. and how they fucking let 19 school children be massacred as well as the teacher. And, Robbie, I mean, it, it was just one of those bizarre things. It was, like, reality was stranger than fiction with this story because every day something else came out that made it way worse, leaving me to almost just assume that like the cops must have killed at least one kid because why it like nothing can explain their behavior. I mean, you mean their behavior afterwards or during? I mean, I mean, during and afterwards, like, let's just give a quick overview. Like the fact that, you know, I read in the daily mail that 150 police officers were outside Okay, so there was an engagement with the shooter before. So it's not like the shooter just waltzed in and then like, you know, locked himself in this room. Well, let's back it up slightly. Yeah, 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 of course. Led up to it. Yeah. So, I mean, just like a lot of these cases, it started in a really disturbing way where the guy was already trying to get attention 
online he was on some for some reason he was on like a social media site that's popular in like france or germany can't remember if it's france or germany either one it's like only popular there and he met some random girl that he'd been talking to for like the last week and all of a sudden he's just like my grandma is like really bothering me she's trying to like shut down my like iphone account or something and he's like i think i'm gonna go kill her right now and then he literally like comes back to the chat and says like just killed her like she's dead now i think i'm gonna go shoot up a school so like this chat oh actually God. got leaked and the woman was like who who was on the other end of it was eventually interviewed and she was like absolutely horrified she didn't you know she didn't i don't think she realized that he was actually serious until maybe like the next day or something i don't you know so anyways th- so he killed Christ, his grandma dude. and then he drove to the school and like cra- like got in a high speed chase i think with the police on the way to his destination which was the school right and they tried they pursued him and had like i don't even know if they had a shootout with him outside the school but that that's like how ineffective the police were even on the way to the school it wasn't like they got a call that he was already there right. from somebody they right. were literally like engaging with him before he got there so yeah. sorry, continue. No, I, no, I'm super happy you provided that context because it also is worth mentioning the fact that this kid just goes and buys two AR-15s on his 18th birthday, <laughs> like somehow from the internet too. I didn't even realize you were, you could do that. Excuse but, me. Yeah, yeah, he ordered it from the internet. Oh, so apparently. like, like did he? I mean, how do you even like prove that you are even 18? It's like that's kind of crazy. It is really crazy. I didn't realize that you can order a firearm like that online but maybe you can in certain states holy shit man i mean texas is so fucked i mean the fact that this kid you know buys these two ars already has like a history of like i mean these red flag laws i don't even know what they can do but i feel like they can do something because this kid was obviously like posting a bunch of crazy shit i think in the past about want like desiring to kill people and stuff like that so i don't know i know that there are a lot of mentally ill people who do post things that don't act out on them but for god's sake like the fact that this kid was able to fucking acquire these weapons high-powered assault rifles you know and not have any flags raised um is just super alarming the fact that he engaged police outside of the before he even reached the school and then outside the school there's police officers who basically just let him go in and then the, the story changed so many times i mean the fact that there was like at least seven officers, I mean, according to, CN- according to CNN, they said 19, but I read seven officers inside the school, 150 outside, 150 police officers outside the school, right? Okay, so this whole good guy with a gun narrative kind of falls a fucking part <laughs> when you realize that that many goddamn cops, heavily armored cops, oh, Uvalde had like right like SWAT teams they get like they spend like 40% of their city's budget on the police I mean what the fuck this is like a classic border town like militarized shit you know constitution free zone totally like just crazy terroristic kind of activity against like undocumented families and shit and so of course um, the horrific video footage came out like afterward, once people were like, how the hell did this happen? How did 19 kids get massacred over the course of an hour that this kid was barricaded in this classroom? And then it comes out, of course, these videos of the cops tear gassing or pepper spraying 
parents, um, arre- like arresting and detaining parents while they're screaming and hear a barrage of fucking gunfire in the background, right? Several 911 calls from the kids in the classroom. One of the police officers goes in and rescues his fucking kids. I mean, I, it, I'm, I'm like so angry thinking about it again because it's just so infuriating. Like every, every step of the way when you found out what the police did or did not do, it is really, really beyond comprehension. And then they lied and said like the teacher left the door open, let the gunman in. That was a, that was a lie. Um, they basically lied about everything, right? This is one of those cases where I just feel like they did something so incompetent and so cowardly that, and they just decided to fully cover their asses in the process, Mm -hmm. even to the point of trying to intimidate reporters after the fact by like threatening them with like biker gangs that were like accompanying the family's funeral and and stuff. It was really weird shit like that. Like, where it's like, what is going on here? It's really surreal. And I'm, and I can understand why people, you know, this is actually a case where I can understand where there are like normal people who are not typically conspiratorial being like, what in the fuck actually happened here? Not to say that obviously this really did happen and all these children are dead. I'm not talking about that kind of conspiracy theory. I mean, but what the what the police did and how they behaved, I mean, is egregious. We've never seen anything like this before to such an extent where I even saw right-wing people and generic people who get baited by right-wing media stuff on like crime all the time, like Michael Tracy, like flipping the other way and being like, well, isn't this a good case for defunding the police? Right. Like if this is what they're being funded for they're they literally in one of the main reasons we need to have police or why people think we need to have them is to protect children right who are being like shot by a crazed gunman they literally didn't do anything to put their lives on the line i mean talk about officer safety being a priority i used to be dumb enough and naive enough abby and i've said this before to think that police somehow had some kind of duty or obligation in the same way a secret service agent has towards a president, but towards the public. Right. I thought a cop was like somehow duty bound to like throw themselves in the line of fire if like the public is like in danger. I mean, that's how obviously naive I used to be. Clearly not the case. It's officer safety to the max. I mean, this is what happens when that mentality, I think, just gets ingrained to the point where it's like, as soon as you drop your taser now, it's like policy and police departments all across the country to be like, that's when you can use lethal force, like immediately. Like that's like somehow okay now, like according to their rules. So, I mean, it's fucking crazy, but. I think what a lot of people realized that had previously thought what you just said is that cops do not have any duty um, to, to protect the public at all. That the primary function is officer safety. And that is exactly why we see so many unarmed people get wantonly executed in this country. And and this really was just the most like absurd outcome of that mindset. I mean, the fact that, you know, you, th- you would think that like, if you just pulled like random people off the street, I feel like people would be like more privy to put their lives in danger to like save children. You know, like I certainly feel like I would like do whatever I possibly could to like save children's lives. Um, And the fact that dozens, dozens of police officers up to 150 um, refused to put their life on the line because they were too scared to engage the shooter. Um, 
because they were scared of getting shot. And even like the chief of police said it himself. He was just like, they were, they didn't want to get shot. (laughs) It's like, well, what the, what is the logic for more police and more firearms? Because if you look at any conservative punditry talk show, all of them, like despite this shit, despite the fact that you said this was like, like a light bulb moment for people who have been notorious for like police apologia and propaganda. This was like the breaking point for a lot of people, but you still, you still saw them kind of running with the good guy with the gun thing. Like there needs to be more armed police. There needs to be, oh no, the solution is like one entry yeah. and exit or arming prepar- teachers. Like, are you fucking kidding me? If police are not able to engage the shooter, then you expect fucking a school teacher who has to crowdfund for pencils and chalk to arm herself with like a semi-automatic weapon? Yeah, but you gotta you gotta learn how to defend yourself. I mean, it is really funny how it's that that's basically probably the NRA or gun lobby's to- talking point at this point. Anytime there's a school shooting, so it's like it doesn't even matter what the circumstances are; they mm-hmm. just start feeding politicians that specific talking point now. Like that's how bad things have gotten. That it's like it's not even they're not even making an argument for like people who need to have guns, you know, at home to defend themselves and like good, you know, moral gun owners anymore. They're just saying they're like straight up just like trying to promote the idea of like we need to actually put more guns in schools. Yeah. To like fight off school shooters. It's it is a hilariously disturbing premise that that's where they go. Um but yeah, I mean at least I saw some very conservative people openly questioning what's going on but it's like if this is their light bulb moment it's it's a little too late coming because i mean if you don't already know that police are not there to actually protect people in the public then you're i think you're fairly naive i mean this country has extreme crazy policing for us supposedly being like a first world or you know a country that doesn't live under some kind of totalitarian regime i mean the way our police behave is the way that we, you know, the right-wing media describes the Chinese police. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's just strange mm-hmm. um, how bad it is here and how normalized it is. I mean, that's the real issue. And the lack of policing, back to this idea of the police being hands-off when it comes to, like, risking their lives. What about when it comes to, like, a group of protesters uh, causing a bunch of, you know, public um, property damage when the protest is about hating them, like they, that's like an extra reason for them to just be like, well, fuck these people. Like, like if they like, especially like these cops in these liberal areas, you know, people are like, oh, the cops in these liberal areas, they have their hands tied by the liberal mayors. I I don't think that that's what's happening at all. I still really think that there's this ignored premise of like the police basically just put, you know, throwing their nose up at the public and being like, well, if you're not going to like us, then fuck you. Right. We're not going to do shit, motherfuckers. And then you'll just basically like beg for us to come back to help you. And I really do think this is something that's probably gone on for like centuries Mm -hmm. in human civilization of the dynamic between police, like law enforcement in general, like whatever that would have been called hundreds of years ago, and the dynamic between them and the public. It's, it's, It's like an old trick. Uh, that we that everyone's falling for right now because there is more brazen crime, so it's like that is that is what's basic and and it just creates this cycle. So, um, but 
anyways, that's a whole other issue. Yeah. And, <clears throat> I mean, there's so much to say. It's just completely devastating. And it really is an indictment of just police in general. It's not just about this one border town. This is about all police. This is about the militarization of the police, the overfunding of police forces in small-ass towns that fail to do the most basic fucking function that you would think would be a no-brainer, that 19 elementary school kids are barricaded in a room getting mowed down, and you're terrorizing the parents outside, and then you proceed to threaten them and not, you know, just obfuscate lie. That's why people, that's why people have posed like, what did they do? Because the fact that they aren't releasing body cam footage and the fact that they really did, like, it almost seemed like they didn't want any witnesses, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's just me going to my conspiratorial part of my brain because I just can't fathom like the level of incompetence of like this uh-huh. many police all at once. It is, it is unfathomable to me. But then again, this is how police operate all the time. Like you said, they, you know, they're quick to kill a kid with a toy gun and, and try to ram through a crowd of protesters that, that they know hate them. But this is what they do when there's actual danger on the line. And it really just speaks volumes. Has anyone brought up the potential racial angle of this? Because it seems like most of the kids or parents were Hispanic. I, I don't know what racial breakdown of like the police force it was, but from my perception, it seems like the police were like disproportionately white that that were in this town compared to like the parents and the children. Yeah, classic dynamic of border town stuff. Um, absolutely. This is what Mike's been saying forever. He's just like, they don't fucking care about these kids because they don't, they're fucking racist. And even if you do have a Latino cop, it's like, they, you know, that that's like the white supremacy that's ingrained in like, do you like want to like prove yourself to like your white, you know, police officer, like brothers or whatever, brethren. Um, I mean, that's why I think it's, it's without even really looking into the details. I just think it's, uh, to me, it's obvious that if these were like white children in a higher income yeah. neighborhood, this wouldn't have happened. Like not saying the police would have put their lives on the line, but they would have like done seemingly done something more than what happened i mean it really does seem almost just like a stand down it's like whoop can't do anything so yep you know and then on, on some level not saying that your your theory about you know them wanting the witnesses to die is true but it's like on some level ultimately if that happened then it wouldn't be bad for them right so you do have to wonder what's actually happening there so i i mean not saying that that was an, an intentional you know, we wanted to kill these children, but like it, it, it raises, I think that question very, um, it's not out of line at all to ask something that ridiculous. They sacrifice these kids. And the question is why, right? Um, and that, that, that's very clear because this was over an hour of leaving these kids in, in the school. And the fact that, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just incomprehensible, Robbie and everything that happened afterward. Like, why? It's just insane. Like, the gunman apparently was able to, like, shoot into the door and then barricade himself inside. So it's like, wait, so there was, like, a broken window the whole time that you guys could have, like, unlocked the door, like, got in? Like, it, it it's just What's ridiculous. disturbing is— I mean, it's just ridiculous. That one of the teachers whose—all of his students were killed, which is absolutely crazy to think that he survived and, you know, every single one of his students was murdered in one classroom— 
that he was like com- trying to communicate to the police outside the window and the police were, he was like, he could hear them like really close the whole time. So they were like right. very, very close. Um, it, it's surreal. And I thought that like all this money for these stupid ass SWAT teams, like, isn't there someone in there, like a, in the SWAT team who has a riot shield or a bulletproof shield big enough to like cover a line of i mean no i'm I'm like i know it sounds funny but isn't that what these idiots are supposed to do don't they right. have bulletproof uh right. vests and ar- body armor i don't understand right and this guy right as far as i know didn't prepare to that extent he didn't wasn't like decked out fully in like body armor um not like the buffalo shooter which i also want to talk about briefly but this yeah. guy seemingly was you know, he just bought the gun kind of on an impulse. He didn't really, pl- the guy at Buffalo like wrote a whole manifesto and planned it for a seemingly really mm-hmm, long time. Mm-hmm. This guy, it seems slightly more impulsive, even though he bought the rifle online and waited for it to come and everything. Um, but it is surreal how meta this is getting where it's like normal people who don't, like I was saying, who aren't like Sandy Hook conspiracy theorists, like are starting to ask mm-hmm. more conspiratorial sounding questions about these shootings simply because we've, people have and i think it's partly because there's been generations of people who've grown up in this atmosphere of school shootings where like this shooter was actually pictured he was photographed in a training like mock school shooting like training exercise like with like um like local marshals or something who like come to the school and help kids like enact these training scenarios and it's just weird to see a picture of the shooter, like in a mock school shooting drill, um, that was like taken by the a school officially to like promote their little drills that they do. And just to think that kids grow up doing drills now. I mean, can you imagine the stress of going to school well, wasn't exactly. bad enough as children, like <clears throat> with that on top of that now? I mean, it's awful that that's what kids. Well, Robbie, they just do. have to wear bull- bulletproof backpacks and blankets. Like earthquake kits, but you just wrap your adorn yourself and just bulletproof stuff. I mean, it's it's so cartoonish the level of ineptitude that really. I mean, I I totally understand how you can just go off on so many fucking conspiratorial tangents because of what the police did. It, it really does seem like the police wanted these kids to die. I've never felt that way before about a mass shooting. Like this is like really setting a new level of almost like complicity <clears throat> with with allowing the massacre to happen. Um, but yeah, these motherfuckers have MRAPs, like tanks in this tiny-ass town, these giant SWAT teams. What the fuck were they doing? Why is their response time so ridiculously low, you know? But yeah, you bring up a really good point about the drills, and it really, it really makes you wonder, like, what are these drills doing? What are these school shooting drills doing? The fact that there was the was these drills trying to like drill into the kids' heads of what to do in reaction to a school shooter. And then it happens there. And really, what what is this doing? It's just basically a huge new industry, right? Like a terrorism, like a profit, for-profit industry that is essentially terrorizing kids. Um, that really does nothing beneficial at all other than make a huge amount of money in these like consulting firms to, to just do this all across the country. And for what? I mean, <clears throat> basically just for a fucking money pit, dude. That we needed to create several new government agencies and an entire new like 
basically like branch of the military industrial complex to placate this new thing. It, it, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's a similar thing. I mean, and not to mention that like militarized police forces didn't just spring out of like the post 9-11 war on terror era. It also came out of like the post battle in Seattle, like globalization protest mm -hmm, era, where mm -hmm. it's like the protesters learned how to get more militarized how to learn how to combat tear gas, um, you know, canisters. They learn how to like do things that were like counter guerrilla military tactics that they basically, it was like a counter response to that in a lot of ways as well. I mean, there's a lot of things, it's, it's disturbing to think that there's nothing from that that's actually probably helped anybody. It's maybe except in some very, very rare instances that it's prevented death, but I would say most of the time it's it's probably created. Death. Oh yeah, <clears throat> especially something like a no knock raid with a SWAT team. I mean, or a like how they threw a flash grenade um, into that person's house that was like had an outstanding warrant and went into yeah. the baby's yep. crib. Remember Absolutely. that? I mean, that kind of shit happens all the time. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. <clears throat> exactly, dude. So if they're willing to do that, I guess what I'm saying it's not a big leap to think that they just let a bunch of children die. You know, like that's how bad. The police mentality has gone. You know, what's crazy, Robbie, is just the Biden administration's, like, response to this. It was like he literally didn't even, like, call for an investigation or anything of the police response. He just kind of doubled down on his commitment to how important police are. And you saw across the country, I mean, this is like – this made the police look so fucking bad, worse than Eric Gar – like, this is, like, the worst thing against police, you know? Because of what these cops in Texas did. And so you see police like scrambling. I mean, I even saw one department, I forget where, release their own video basically saying like, if you fucking, if you're a mass shooter in our city, we are going to kill you. We will not hesitate. And there's like all the police force standing with their semi-automatic weapons. It's just like, oh my God, like this is, this is a simulation. <laughs> Yeah, Mike was Mike was just telling me something. I forget the details of what, but someone was like consulting to the police about the threat of also like right wing extremism and terrorism and obviously how it, how it vastly outweighs like left wing extremists. And like the police force like walked out on the uh, meeting because they just all, all called him a liar and shit. Like I think that the level of QAnon flavored mentality across police forces is probably much higher than we even like can assume. I mean, and it's already like the level that I assume it's at is already probably like a conservative. I mean, it's probably worse than I think. And yeah. once it's at that level, it's like, yeah. what are we really doing here? I mean, at this point, it's like, how do we go back yeah. from that? I mean, it really is, does seem like it's a kind of a pathway towards some really fucked up type of civil war kind of scenario. I mean, I hate to sound fear-mongery, but it is really disturbing. I don't know. I don't know. Well, you that that is where it's going, sadly. I mean, before a, re a successful revolution happens here, I do think that there will be a scenario playing yeah. out like that. As scary as it sounds and as fear-mongery as it sounds, like that is where we're going with this culture war stuff. And now, you know, Texas and all these other, like Marjorie Taylor Greene introducing bills to ban children at drag shows like it's really getting really really crazy really quickly like it started with trans kids in sports and now it's like banned drag shows 
um, you know, all trans people are suspect. It's like, it's like this, it escalated so quickly. It's like terrifying. Me. It's truly terrifying. I don't, if I was LGBTQ right now, I would be, I would be pretty disturbed. I mean, especially because if you're like a, especially if you're like a 20 year old gay person or, you know, a queer person in this country now, like there hasn't been a crazy reaction against gay people to this degree, like the, your entire lifetime. Like, I don't think anything like this has yeah, yeah, happened yeah. since the, like, like the early nineties or the late eighties in terms of the media spectrum. It's very, very surreal to watch unfold. It's horrifying actually. Um, yeah, I don't even, I mean, there's so much to say about it. It's so, so scary. I cannot imagine what young trans youth who are already at extreme risk of self-harm and suicide are doing to navigate this space. And my heart goes out to you. It's, it's inexplicable how fucked up this country is right now and how dangerous it's becoming um, to just be who you are, man. Like... The backlash is so scary. To me, one of the, I guess this is, you know, maybe this seems trivial in the bigger scheme of things. It was considering that 19 children got fucking gunned down and the police had nothing to stop it. But yeah. right when, at the beginning, I saw it unfold just like it always is, you know, the Sam Hyde prank of the guy saying like, shoot mass shooter on the run. This is what he looks like. And it's like a picture of Sam Hyde. How there's always like a mm -hmm. something thrown into the mix. Anytime one of these events happens, that's like disinfo. That's sometimes a harmless prank, like the Sam Hyde thing. But other times it's like actually like meant to hurt us. Like in this case, trans people, like, and the, in the mix of what you're talking about, like bouncing back to that where they literally oh my God. and Candace Owens and other big accounts reposted this 4chan hoax. They literally posted on 4chan a picture taken from Reddit of a trans woman taking selfies in a mirror that looked like vaguely maybe a little bit like the shooter because the shooter had like long black hair and like a bunch of giant right-wing accounts like reposted this. And the person in the picture was like wearing a dress and a bunch of people just ran with this idea that like the school shooter was like a trans person gone violent because trans people are violent. Like it's a fucking weird, dude. It's just like how Tulsi Gabbard talked about how we need to like protect people um, like that, that things have gone so woke that now someone is attacking Dave Chappelle for his trans joke on stage. And that is absolutely not why Dave Chappelle got attacked. Had nothing to do with that. It's just weird how that's how heightened things are that people just dumbly will play into it like that. And I'm just like, wow. Um, but it's scary. I just want to mention this last thing is that Candace Owens, um, in the, in, it's probably like one of the only good clips I've seen from the Sam Cedar show in like the last six months or so. Usually I do not agree with most of the things they talk about, but this particular coverage was really good. And I wish I could find myself being able to repost a clip from his show, but it's, it was a great breakdown of how Candace Owens basically was like doubling down. She did like a video segment after she got called out for tweeting this hoax. She doubled down on it, basically saying like, I don't know what the big deal is. Like, so what if like I accidentally tweeted this, uh, this picture out? I mean, like you saw the picture of the real shooter, right? Like he looks like he's trying to look feminine. He looks like he doesn't uh, like follow like masculine values. He looks like he's like some kind of alternative, like liberal, like leftist. So like, 
it's like how is that much different from like a oh, kid being trans like these alternative God. like blah 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 like beta male like soy boys it's like what in the fuck dude this is fucking off the fucking rail like i couldn't believe like Holy it was actually the craziest shit, thing dude. i've ever seen her say So just totally unapologetic yeah it was <laughs> holy fuck yeah it's like so now it's gone to the point where someone with long hair it's like oh they're like uh, a lip like a lib groomer so it's like you just like go i mean i've been called a groomer lately just like in random twitter interactions with people who i disagree with so that's like become just totally normalized at this point um so it's i don't even know i mean do, do you want to talk about the buffalo shooter before we go on to the yeah we have to, yes let's talk about the buffalo shooting which happened i don't know i think like okay. a week prior Probably the weirdest thing that peaked my conspiracy radar about anything having to do with the Buffalo shooting was um, the fact that it was very much like a manifesto like guide on how to do this. It seemed to be designed to inspire other people to do it. That's not what peaked my radar, but that's part of it, just so people know that. But that the person, the mass shooter was in contact with an ex-FBI agent who was part of like a private intelligence um, company. Uh, and was actually in contact with the person 30 minutes prior uh, to the actual time of the murder. That apparently the guy was like talking back and forth with the shooter to the extent where the shooter actually told him like 30 minutes from now, this is going to happen. And apparently he did not contact anybody. The FBI had no knowledge they claim about this. This guy was a retired FBI agent who worked for a private security contractor, but very odd. Wait, yeah. wait, 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 so the kid, the the guy who posted the manifesto was in contact with this intelligence officer saying he was going to do this? The FBI database shows no advance tips from anyone that the shooting was about to happen. So, you know, there's all this talk now where it's like, well, should we monitor these, you know, potential domestic terrorists to see if there's going to be potential mass shooters? You know, I don't think the idea of pre-crime is ever a good idea. I do think in certain scenarios, if you are someone who's knows about someone a bit to, about to commit like a mass shooting and you have good reason to think they're about to like, yeah, that's like in that case, you probably should report someone to the FBI, like in that rare circumstance. But, you know, I, I don't know what the actual scenario here was, Abby. It's very bizarre. The FBI is basically blaming this one guy. They don't, they're not like charging him with anything. What are they saying was the perp- what is the guy saying was the purpose of him being in contact with the shooter? This is strange. Um th- it's very mysterious actually. They don't say why in this news story why he was in contact with them. They don't even like seem to try to question what the motive was. What they do say however though is that the FBI are trying to determine the the individual who goes by the identity Sandman or Saint Sandman in his lengthy social media diary, they're talking about the shooter that appeared on Discord 30 minutes before the attack. In the diary, Gendron, the shooter, indicates Sandman counseled him on manufacturers of AR-15 semi-automatic rifles and their quality. In the document Gendron posted on Discord just prior to the shooting, he references Sandman three times. I mean, it's kind of fascinating because they kind of jump from saying he was in contact with this mysterious, you know, um, private security contractor, ex-FBI agent, and they make they almost seem to imply that like this could be Sandman. 
Even though they don't say this in the article, it's sort of weird. This is who. So the kid was corresponding with this guy over like Discord. Well, that's not clear if he was actually corresponding with the informant. He was oh, okay. corresponding with someone else who he refers to multiple times in the manifesto right. as the Sandman or Saint Sandman. That bizarre fact aside, that is really suspicious and really disturbing. The fact that this was just such a straight up hate crime, you know, that this fucking guy drove I don't know how many hours to this all black area and just shot up this this just supermarket and killed 10 people is just it's just so traumatic i mean for the black community there to just think that they like just a totally racially motivated fucking hate crime and then light and live streamed it too right he live streamed it and there was uh, people were posting the video even on twitter like it made it surprisingly like to oh twitter very God. early on and i accidentally started watching part of it and i was like oh no this is the actual like body cam or gopro or whatever of the shooter oh my god um, and this has i think been done previously in the toronto maybe it wasn't toronto but the canadian mosque or no sorry new zealand mosque shooting it was a new yeah zealand, that guy yeah. streamed um that as well and yeah really fucking disturbing and the fact that he went specifically to like a grocery store in a heavily black community hoping to gun down as many black people as possible. I mean, that's was what he specifically did. And his manifesto, people were saying, don't spread this around, don't post this. Um, and at first I was like, why are people being so sensitive about this? Isn't this newsworthy to like actually see the manifesto? And I guess the reason why is because it's it's detailed instructions on exactly what to do to plan a mass shooting, like where, like how to strategize militarily, oh what kind of body armor to buy, where to buy it. So it's like a, it's like a fact. Um, so in that right. regard, I could see, but apparently also it's like a hundred pages or something of like shit that sounds like Boomer Tucker Carlson, like right wing, like reptile brain horseshit. So it's almost just like. St- you know, as awful as this was, there's an extra layer of a tour. It's just like almost pathetic to think a 19 year old kid would be like 18. 18 yeah, an 18 year old could kid. be like influenced by the same shit, like a boomer, like 65 year old conservative moron who just sits and watches Fox News all day would be influenced by. Like it's it's creepy. I don't I don't understand it. But his his manifesto reads like that bullshit, you know, like just really generic boilerplate crap. Um, that you've heard a million times come out of Tucker Carlson's mouth. So um, it's, it's yeah, not saying that Tucker Carlson is responsible. Robbie, how dare you? But Robbie, how dare you? Dare you try to politicize this while the bodies are still warm <laughs> on the ground? How yeah. dare you bring Tucker Carlson into this? Are you, is that a Shane. Glenn Greenwald? Uh, I forgot that he actually <laughs> went on a limb to defend Tucker during this. Like, Jesus, dude. How far up is that? Oh, he was on a go? show that night. He was on his show that night. No way, was like, he really? How dare they? <laughs> I swear oh to fucking God. God. You're not joking, right? You actually went on his show that night to defend him? Dude, it was either that, that night or the crazy. next day. That's how cartoonish no it was. Way. Yes. Yeah, and he wrote several articles. It was like Tucker was silent for the most part. Like Tucker knew even to step back because of how similar the Great Replacement Theory rhetoric was to his, you know, to this manifesto, to what he says on his program. But but Glenn really went out on a limb and wrote several Substack pieces right out of the gate, dude, was just going so hard. It was just like, 
Why are you doing this? I saw the Substack piece, so I guess yeah, that's not that big of a leap. He would go on a show. I guess it, uh, shit, man. I I just I've tried to tune it out at this point because it's so. I mean, it's too much. I mean, Matt Taibbi actually put out two pieces recently saying like I couldn't hold my silence any longer. I've been sitting on a giant review of this like new tr- documentary about what is a woman by Matt Walsh, who's like a conservative like. Daily Wire employee who like works for Ben Shapiro, and then he's like, and then an interview with a radical feminist who's basically just like saying really generic turf stuff, who goes on like Steve Bannon's War Room pandemic, and being like, I was sitting on these interviews for so long, I couldn't hold my silence any longer. It's like now I need to like, like face the music and like you know people are gonna come at me, so be it, because it's like now it's time. And it, I read both of them, and it was just the most like generic turf crap like rhetoric. It's like, it, it's almost like, I, I, I don't even think these people realize how generically their own analysis sounds compared to like just the stuff the right's also putting out. It's not, I'm not saying Matt Taibbi is just like a right winger or he specifically is transphobic, even though he may be, that's not the argument I'm making. I'm saying that it's weird that it's almost like the lack of self-awareness from how similar the, the, um, the, the points he's making are, you know? It's not like he's making anything, an interesting point, is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I tried to, re- I'm not subscribed to Matt Tybee's Substack, and I I read, I tried to read the review of Matt Walsh's you did. documentary, and it reminded me of when Lee Fang um, promoted Cernovich's documentary and said it was, like, really, really good. And it's just like, you know what? I don't think it is. And I, and I think Matt Walsh is a fucking joke, dude. And I don't, out of all the things that are going on right now, it's like we need Matt Taibbi to be digging into like what he's best at, which is all the shit that he was dealing, like all the financial corruption and stuff. It's like I I don't understand this gravitation toward this type of rhetoric and this type of focus with your reporting. I find it very strange and it, and it's really like it's re- he's really going he hard. Is. You know, it wasn't just like oh he watched Matt Walsh's thing and then wrote like oh this is interesting, which would also be horrible because Matt Walsh is a horrible person and it's really bad to promote someone like him. I would almost understand just the turf lady. That's what I would I'm saying. Almost understand him being like you know what I was sitting on this, but then it's like he just went further and further. And if further. he did that, it was like at least he would be self aware enough to know that he's keeping it in a certain container to influence, like not preach to the choir. Like he quote tweeted me right. to try to dunk on me like a couple weeks ago, and like all of the his followers, who he sort of sicked on me, they were all like MAGA people, and I'm just thinking, how could he be satisfied with this kind of following now? Like I just don't get it. Aren't you kind of like grossed out if your audience are just all people like that now? It just I, I don't I do not understand. I would not be happy with myself if like 90 percent of my followers were like MAGA flag people, like in their Twitter AVs. It just it's bizarre, but everyone's going hard, Abby. I mean, Glenn Greenwald has been chatting it up, as we talked about, with Christina Pouchaw, the spokesperson for Ron DeSantis, on a regular basis. And, you know, we already have talked about Ron DeSantis and how much of, like, a neocon plant he seems. But it's it's crazy that she just got outed as being, like, a foreign lobbyist uh, who forgot to register as a foreign agent for the former Georgian prime minister, Saakashvili, who was part of that whole orbit of like neocons trying to start war with Russia, like back in 2008. (laughs) 
Like, so what a bizarre transition. Wow. And I actually talked to some people about her and I was like, do you remember her back in the Russiagate days? Like, was she around? And they're like, yeah, she was actually writing articles like in Georgian, apparently like from Georgia, like against Trump, like saying that Trump was like a Russian agent. Like, so that's how recently, I guess, she was still part of that machine. So it's just awfully strange to see someone like that 180 act like they're this anti-establishment populist. And then all of a sudden, Glenn Greenwald and them are like best buds. And it's like, wait a second. She's actually like part of like a really crazy specific Russiagate faction. Like, what do you, what's going on here? I mean, it's, it's surreal. She's on the good man. side now. She's, I've, all of this is erased. It's all washed clean yeah. because she's on a good side. Just like side how Tucker now, changed. I mean, I, I want to just say one more thing about the trans stuff because, Please. you know, this is this rhetoric to pile on this rhetoric right now is so strange to me because we already know that trans people are extremely marginalized in this country and there is a lot of violence against them already and bullying and whatnot and discrimination. And this is like legal discrimination. This is I, I know a lot of conservatives think that's hyperbolic, but no, look it up. It's hard. It's harder to get housing. It's harder to get employment. It brings a, an important point up about this account, the libs of TikTok, that we briefly mentioned before, because you know they were painted as this big martyr trying to get doxxed by Taylor Lorenz, but they're posting shit, blowing up just tiny small town events. I mean, San Lorenzo, for example, in the Bay Area, not a tiny small town, but a tiny library in San Lorenzo was just having a drag queen story hour. And, you know, it's gay pride month. Wait, this happened so they here? they were just having a drag queen story. Oh, I didn't yeah. realize this shit, man. Sorry, continue. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and so they, so of course they blow up these events to their enormous fucking following that Glenn Greenwald helped, you know, legitimize. And what happened? What happened as a result, Robbie? Not just the library getting death threats and harassment, but actually a huge group of Proud Boys, 10 Proud Boys stormed in to the drag queen story time at the San Lorenzo Public Library, shouting slurs and basically terrorizing the children who had come to just hear a story. Dude, that's really fucked up. Um, that's what's happening, dude. That That's that's what's happening. See, where's like Antifa in the when Bay something like area. that happens? Like, in the Bay Area, dude. Yeah, I mean, it's that's, that's really um, disturbing. And why this specific singling out of like the drag time story hour stuff that's like actually become kind of like a tradition in a lot of places it's been happening for a really long time like actually like longer a lot longer than conservatives have been complaining about it i think even going back to like the 1980s they had like well that's what i'm saying is like the slippery really, slope it like started with trans kids and sports and now we're talking about drag yeah queens? and how is someone in drag sexual you know, like like this idea that it's right. like trying to sec like push sexualization to children. I mean, like, where where is why is this box shrinking? And I think Abby, basically, what it is is someone who's has been like, okay, there's going to be like, you know, porn and the accessibility of porn on the internet. You know, basically, has accelerated sexuality. Um, the internet has accelerated sexuality. Just general culture is going to keep accelerating in this direction in general. Um, and I do think that there's some sort of weird attempt now to create this firewall so that there could be, there like can be no longer any um, continuing pace of like um, right. opening right. up the parameters of sexuality or like loosening what sexuality is or like making people more 
educated on sexuality or, you know, less uh, ashamed of it. It's almost like they want to, they, they, they want to just create this electric fence now. It's like nothing is acceptable beyond where it is right now. And that includes even someone being identified as gay, you know, in a TV show is, is too much for them. Yep. Um, yep. So, yep. No, you're totally right. They're trying to dominate it now and, and basically restrict any further progress on the issue. Um, and it's really scary because it's not just saying, oh, we won't tolerate anything beyond this. It's we need to go back and actually now address just being gay straight up and, and being in drag. And <clears throat> it is just horrifying, actually, to see how quickly this has escalated over the last year. It's it just seems really engineered to me. This isn't even just the Republican Party just going hard against gays, like, like um, you know, to try to gain some kind of power. This is something that feels like more than that. Like I've been saying, it does feel civil war making. It feels mm-hmm. like they're really mm-hmm. playing with mm-hmm. fire. Um, it's like taking a QAnon mentality, but like translating it into like the generic Republican framework in a way that I don't think it's been done until now with this. And that's what makes it so disturbing. It's like, oh, wow, they actually did it now. Like, where do, now what happens? Right. Um, now what happens? So fuck, dude. And it's, when you have yeah. Milo Yiannopoulos working with Marjorie Taylor Greene in her office and he's posting things saying Dave Rubin should be executed. Um, be, what? Yeah. yeah. Jesus, I mean, the dude. fact that this dude is like, I guess he recanted his queerness um i'm not sure how much of a troll any of that is but it it is just very strange that he's just like sitting in the halls of congress with this psychotic woman posting that kind of shit online because i guess dave rubin had like a surrogate to birth his new kids um very very strange shit it is it does feel like manufactured to the extent of like how like fast this has escalated it does seem like coordinated um i mean it is on a level that i don't think could be explained with normal partisan political lobbying groups and influencing groups or something else well i think it shows you how easily swayed the public is to generate outrage i mean look mm-hmm. at ukraine look at this it's like it 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 can come from a couple firms you know, algorithmically boosting whatever and just preying on people's like subconscious. And we they have all of our data to do so. And when you have politicians doing their bidding, it is kind of easy to generate these culture war crises. But the problem is that it, it causes a lot of horrific consequences, including violence and death. That's what is fascinating about it, because it's like we've never been able to link, you know, it's like everyone's tried to be like, what causes school shootings? Is it video games? Is it the fact that we're a hyper-violent culture? Is it the fact that because there's incels? Is it because of 4chan? Is it, I mean, it does seem like it's because of like an engineered uh, sort of way of like how people are influenced, not just by social media, but by like whatever these algorithms do. I mean, like it does seem to be playing a really big role in this and and I just, it's scary because it's like, it's all opaque to us. We don't really know exactly what's happening. Um, and I'm not saying these social media companies are the ones behind it. I think a lot of the times it's like other people figuring out how to work or juke them. 
I mean, like you heard in the QAnon uh, documentary by Colin, where it's like they're talking about a make like a super Twitter tool, where it's like they don't own Twitter, they don't mm-hmm. work there, but somehow they're able to like basically hack it and turn Ron Watkins' account into like another Trump level viral account. It's like how does that even work? Um, but that's what they do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean the the big question: Why do these things happen here? And I think it's like. A perfect storm. Yeah. I don't think there's any one reason, but I think the uber alienation and the self-importance of people wanting to be famous. Like there is something very sick about our culture. Of course, we're empire babies. Of course, we're, you know, in the heart of mm-hmm. the world's largest, most like violent force on the planet that it externalizes all of this mass death in our names. But I, I do think there is something else to it. And it's, and it's the fact that we do also have like the highest rate of serial killers. Yeah. And I do think, I mean, in the what is like world. a mental sickness that's like particularly disgusting and indulgent and egotistical. That's like something that we used to hear about Trump all the time. Um, that's actually true about, I would say more Americans than the average person in other countries is like narcissistic personality disorder. What's more narcissistic and sick than deciding to like, kill yourself and take out a bunch of innocent people along with you for no reason mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. other than just because you're deciding to go out. It's already arguably narcissistic in many cases to kill yourself, especially if you have like children or family and you're just doing it because you can't get out of like a mental loop. I mean, I'm not going to go there, but like there are, but it's like the idea of taking a bunch of innocent victims with you is like so n- uniquely narcissistic I mean, it, again, it just speaks to the idea that America is uniquely self, um, uh, you know, worshiping, narcissistic, fame-seeking uh, compared to other people around the world. I mean, it's just another thing that we're si- that makes us sick. Um, and I, I think that... And then when you, yeah, when you couple that with the fetid- fetidization of guns, it's it's a recipe for disaster. It is, yeah. And we have this antiquated constitution that we just hold on to dear life to this notion that we can somehow overthrow our government with semi-automatic weapons, even though they have nukes. It It is just a bizarre fantasy, and it just is so strange to me. And we see how quickly that can flip <laughs> from being like, okay, you know, yeah, these militia people are crazy, but at least they're not going to like start shooting um, you know, I, me as their liberal neighbor when like the feds crack down, but like now it's kind of the point where it's like now the liberals are the enemy. So it's like, we're the enemy. Wow. That really flipped really quickly. So now you see the danger of like trying to create this mentality in this country of like, we need to have, be like a well-armed regulated militia to like stop tyranny. They, they don't even believe the feds are tyranny anymore. They only think like demo, liberal Democrats are. And that just shows you how yeah, easily yeah, that flips communists. on a dime, dude. Scary yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess it's synonymous. Communists are liberals and vice versa. So it doesn't even matter. It's like anyone who's not them is the mm-hmm. enemy now. So, yeah, this this already has flipped, dude. This is why I'm saying like the the culture war will eventually manifest into some sort of like violent um, outbreak, especially because these people genuinely believe that, you know, Trump was a legitimate winner. I mean, the list goes on and on of like the belief system that just baked in and getting more ingrained and it continues just so it doesn't sound like we're only talking about how the right are fucking crazy and nuts and psychotic on this the democrats apparently 
a leaked strategy memo like session came out a couple weeks ago, basically saying that the Democratic Party, like at the top levels nationwide, has like tried to basically tell their other members, like, we're not going to do like a counter reaction against like this anti-gay like hysteria that's coming from the right right now. It's not worth pushing back against. (laughs) We have other things to worry about, abortion, um, gun, you know, gun laws. Yeah. And it's also like, what do they mean? Abortion, whatever. Like they, they aren't doing anything. Biden, there was just this article that came out that talked about the turmoil within Biden's campaign and how even his own staffers are like, why the fuck haven't you done anything? And how like Biden's last line of defense was basically coining the term ultra MAGA, which of course was a reverse it was like a total coup for the MAGA people. Like they started doing like the laser eyes on like their avies and shit. It just was like, it just emboldened them further. And it's like, dude, the fact that Biden is president, the fact that he, he is overseeing the control of Congress and the fact that their answer to this leaked Roe v. Wade memo, right. Coming out of Scalia's office, I guess, um, that basically said that, yes, Amy Coney Barrett, all of this was exactly as we had thought, that Roe v. Wade is on the chopping block. And it's not just Roe v. Wade. It's gay rights. It's basically anything else that, I don't know, whatever the fuck Scalia and his Federalist Society fucking psychopathic cult members think is like an affront to the Constitution from 300 years ago. Um, That's all on the chopping block, Robbie. So what did Biden do in response? Well, just vote. You just got to fucking vote harder because when we have a super majority, then we can maybe codify Roe. Wow. Even though he promised to codify Roe in the fucking campaign, even though Obama had the super majority. And when you really zoom out, when you really zoom out and look at like how this system operates, a super majority only happens during moments of extreme crises. The Bush administration, war on terror. Before then, it was like the hippie movement. And before then, it was the Great Depression. It, they only have a supermajority every like 30 to 40 years. And so every other time, they can throw their hands up and be like, we don't have the votes. We don't have the support. And it's honestly, I'm starting to believe it's just completely by design. Well, it's uh, that yeah. this is this is totally a fake propped up system that the Democrats serve their only purpose is to basically cower to Republicans and then use it as fundraising to just be yeah. like, you need to vote for Scaremonger. us and give us more money. Yeah. Especially and, when <clears> a Supreme <throat> court thing like this comes out, uh, that's what we're going to get into in a second. Like the motivation mm-hmm. for this being leaked. It's like, they can just be like, like in some ways, it's, again, it's like, yeah, I'm sure some Democrats personally do not like the fact that, you know, things are going to get more conservative at the Supreme court level, but in a way it just helps their fundraising. So it, it's like, you know, it benefits them. <laughs> right. No, exactly. And the fact that, I mean, if this isn't going to wake people up also to how the Democrats are not going to save you and that they don't give a shit about you, they're not fighting. You know, it, like like just like when Amy Coney Barrett was nominated, I think Chuck Schumer actually let, if I remember correctly, he let like 15 Trump nominated justices just, he just greenlighted them to just take an earlier vacation. I mean, this is the kind of shit we're talking about. These are lifetime nominations. The conservatives have been planning for decades. This is what they have been ginning for. 
This is all that they've been gunning for because they knew. They know that they don't have the majority in the country. They know that they've rigged all of the shit to just maintain power. And if they maintain power in the courts, that's really all that fucking matters. Because even if you have someone like a Bernie Sanders who did follow through on, let's say, his executive orders or, or let's say, did miraculously pass Medicare for all, the Supreme Court would just overturn it. That's the way it has been set up. And I, I, I think that it's taken me a really long time to really like realize it for like the naked truth of it all, of how actually, I mean, of course, we've always known it's rigged, right? If, we, if you believe that like 9-11 was at least allowed to happen, like it's hard for you to really believe in the system at all. But like it's really taken me a long time to really understand how fundamentally rigged it is. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds obvious to say it, but it is, it's obviously, it obviously is. Um, and, you know, just like this January 6th shit sim- seems rigged on some level that's still really difficult to fully unpack, but it's like, again, it just, it does seem like there's a lot of stunts, a lot of optics at play, um, and, you know, just a lot of shenanigans, um, so... Why are they doing it? Why are they rehashing January 6th? I thought they already did this a year ago and they were like, Trump's going to get arrested. All these people are going to get arrested. They have the papers ready to hand oh, Trump. What, oh, what that's is what you happening thought? here? You thought that the Democrats weren't going to rehash what they what was their <laughs> best uh, ace in the hole, according to them? Just randomly, though? It's like not even January 6th again. And this is weird, too. Like they actually have someone running the commission who seems like they picked like a very grandfatherly acting sort of Southern black man who's in Congress that I've like never heard of before to like run these commissions. And it does just seem like, like a Nancy Pelosi, like racist white woman, like thing to do to be like, Oh, we need him. Like, let's get him. Like, he's so good. (laughs) Like, like it does, it's, it has that vibe to it when you watch it. Um, and it's just, it's bizarre. It's just a total circus. They have the terrible video edits to try to show, you know, people yelling things during the thing and everyone just leaning again on the Darren J. Beatty, analysis about oh how it God, was Ray dude. Epps who singularly caused the riots at the Capitol um, and how it was all, therefore it was all the FBI who did it. Um, and it's just, and so when I push back against that, people are like, what, you believe the FBI? And it's like, no, dude, I don't believe a fucking guy who's friends with Frank Gaffney. Like, are you crazy? I don't believe that one FBI informant caused the entire yeah. riot. I, like, I saw Michael Flynn saying that we should do martial law. I mean, what is that going to, what effect is that supposed to have on Trump's followers? Right. I mean, Jesus, dude. You think Ray Epps was the one who was trying to like gin people up into community violence? That, what, what about Michael Flynn? I mean, the whole thing is, I don't even want to go down there because it's just the whole thing. I know. Is crazy. It sucks. It sucks how there's been this weird dichotomous narrative about it. It's like, what is going on here? I mean, we, we did an excellent episode, I think, right after January 6th that people should listen to that really breaks down how bizarre the entire thing is that doesn't play into the right wing at all. Um, I thought we gave a pretty nuanced take and, you know, my questions still stand. I mean, nothing's been answered from that day. The fact that the Democrats continue to rehash this as political theater while they are holding a gun to the heads of the left about their abortion rights. For as long as I can remember, Robbie, actually as an early, in my early adulthood, I remember thinking oh, like we have to vote for Democrats because it could all come down to a woman's right to choose. Like every election, it could come down to this. That's why we have to vote for Democrats because then they can use the Supreme Court to at least lock in another Democratic justice. 
And what we saw happen was the complete opposite. They fucking laid down like a mat, let Amy Coney, Coney Barrett get nominated. Obama, the Garland thing was a complete fucking disaster. Obama laid down like a mat, didn't let that shit happen. Trump rammed through tons of justices, not just with the Supreme Court, but all across the country. And the Democrats fucking let it happen and in many instances voted and greenlighted it. So what is going on here? You know, and then to have the audacity of someone like Nancy Pelosi's daughter take to Twitter when the Supreme Court leak draft was leaked and say, yeah, it's all the Bernie bros fault. See, should have voted for Hillary. Really? Because your fucking mother is out there rallying for an anti-abortion candidate in Texas right now. And who was Hillary Clinton's running mate again? Tim anti-choice Kane. I mean, the fact that so many times Pelosi and the Democratic Party have basically doubled down on the fact that you can be anti-abortion and be embraced in the party with open arms because they keep gunning for this invisible, non-existent, moderate Republican that they think they're going to pull over to their side because fuck the left. They're always going to punch left and they're always going to blame the left for their failures. And they just keep trying to get that moderate Republican vote. You would think that that would be like the fundamental, you know, we are pro-abortion. But no, they can't even do that. No, I mean, I think it has something to do with what I was saying earlier. It's like they they are allowing, they're acquiescing these, like the goalposts being moved by the Republican Party to like even decrease the parameters or the size, you know, the circumference of this circle of what's allowed like, I remember, like, people or some Democrats sounding, like, way more liberal, like, during the Bush era than they sound now. I mean, like, Dennis Kucinich was saying shit about, like, trans rights back during the Bush era. Yep. I mean, there's nobody that radical, even close to being that radical, in office now. You know? Yeah. But I guess rat yeah. being radical now just means just being crazy. So, like, Marjorie Taylor Greene keeps getting, like, the headlines. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So... I know. I love how anti-establishmentism is just like this catch-all phrase. And it's like, well, half the government is Republican. So do you mean anti-establishmentism just against Democrats because of like, like, I don't understand why that term doesn't apply to like Republicans too. They act like Republicans control nothing and have no influence at all. I mean, and I think that the Trump era really helped create that paradigm by the reaction of the mainstream media to Trump. It really set that in stone because it's like I could see how if I was naive to the political systems and I was led mostly by right media, if I was like really plugged into that and on that side during the Trump era, I would probably imagine that the entire system is liberal and it's against me and it's like unfairly slanted against me and I'm a victim. Like I could, mm -hmm, I could, mm -hmm. that, that mentality makes sense to me. Um, especially after the Trump era where even like CNN became like virulently anti-Republican, you know? I mean, so. Right, right. So I think once that happened, it's just, it's too easy now. It, but it's gone so far now where it's like even like the global um, elites, like the, you know, the rich, the billionaire, the oligarchs are now all libs who are trying to make our kids trans, you know, like that's how far that shit's gone. So, um it's uh, it's it's ridiculous, but um, uh, I'm just but 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 just to add on to the point that I was yeah. saying about like the pendulum swinging and how it doesn't matter because Democrats will just always acquiesce to Republicans and like not let them 
even have their agenda, even when they do control the government. Um, interestingly, I was I, I did this Supreme Court mono when Amy Coney Barrett was getting nominated and like the Democrats just folded like a fucking pancake and just let it happen. And the research was just incredible. I encourage everyone to watch it. I'll put it on the timeline. But yeah, check this out. <clears throat> it's not just the supermajority thing that's really interesting and it really reveals a lot about like how they could just, you know, throw their hands up and be like, we can't do shit ever. But check this out. In the past 50 years, this was in 2020. So I know that they're, you know, obviously, um, what's her, Ginsburg died. But in the past 50 years before Ginsburg died, the Democrats had only been able to get four justices appointed compared to the Republicans' 15, despite the pendulum swinging back and forth on which party holds the White House. And I think that that is very instructive of how this whole operation works. It's the same with the gerrymandering, the Republican control, and just like the Senate being able to dominate so much of our political landscape when they represent so few people, it really comes to light. I mean, our rights are being completely stripped in front of our eyes and the Democrats just throw their hands up and say, you have to vote harder. And, you know, our planet is on fire and we don't have fucking time. And it doesn't matter how, how hard you pull that fucking lever. No. Right. I mean, I think it's pretty much over at this point. It's really, the I, I think we have to acknowledge on some level that whatever what game that the right is playing, it's like chess and whatever game like the apparatuses are that call themselves the left or, you know, the counteracting force in this country are like playing checkers. We've been outmatched and outgamed somehow by whatever this is. I'm not saying it's the Republican Party. I just mean like by the that force. It's um mm -hmm. I, I don't really understand you know, you just have to just, fuck, man, it's crazy. The Supreme Court uh, leak itself became basically the talking point of the right, where it's like, this person needs to be sent to jail. He's a terrorist. <laughs> you know, they're trying to get people killed by leaking this. And apparently um, Kavanaugh had a death threat made against him. I don't know if the guy... He was caught near his house with guns or something. No, no, no. And he then, called in the police himself. That's why this story is so funny because everyone's oh. like, oh, my God, Brett Kavanaugh, there was an assassination attempt. It's like, no, this guy just called the cops and he was like, I'm crazy. I oh, wanted wow. to kill Brett Kavanaugh. Oh, OK. So he turned himself in. Interesting. Yeah. Or he like tipped. His, OK. Yeah. I mean, like it was just funny because like it's always this narrative now where it's like, I bet the liberal media is not going to talk about this. Like they're not they're going <laughs> to pretend this didn't happen. Well, and of course, they're using this as an excuse now to be like, see, this is why we should ban protests in front of their homes and, and you know, how the Supreme Court acted or whatever. The entire government banded together and offered like more security immediately in unison. It was just like, this is horrible. No protesters should be outside the Supreme Court justices' homes. It's like, OK, so we should let these kings and queens just strip our rights from us and have no repercussions whatsoever. It's funny because I got into it with uh, Jimmy Dore, like, tried to drag me on Twitter. I'm getting into it with everybody. And he, he, all his followers are basically trying to tell me that, um, that Ron DeSantis banning, is pass, trying to pass a law in Florida to ban the protest outside of judges' homes is already in line with the Constitution and the laws based on, like, previous Supreme Court rulings. And they, they all of a sudden just had like this ruling to keep showing me. And it was really odd. I just thought it was awfully convenient. Like, where are they getting this from even? And you look at the way the law is interpreted and they actually are not interpreting it correctly. If that was illegal, 
it would be very clear. It's actually not clear based on the Supreme Court ruling that they keep quoting at all, um, that it's somehow illegal to protest outside of a judge's home. Wait, and even if it was, isn't that wrong? Like, what what is going on here? Why are we like... Exactly. Yeah. But I was specifically That's arguing... so weird. I was specifically arguing that Ron DeSantis was anti the First Amendment. Oh, right, right, right. And right. they were like, no, no, he's not because blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but it's like, um, there is a legal... There's plenty of legal precedents for it being okay to do like peaceful protesting. Now, there's a kind of protesting that's considered like intimidation, um, you know, they could turn into that, that, that that's specifically what they're talking about in these um, Supreme Court rulings about protesting outside of a judge's home. Like there were well, cases where people did that, you know, intentionally try to influence a judge in like a threatening manner. Um, this is not what, what they're what they're referring to. Well, thank God Tulsi Gabbard isn't president because she would have said it was terrorism. Mm-hmm. Just like when somebody Remember? doorbell ditch Tucker. Doorbell ditch Tucker and it was terrorism. So... It's it's truly disturbing the that abortion rights are hanging in the balance and that it's like people are so traumatized in this country and there's so much mass trauma happening like every 24 hours there's like a new mass tragedy that it's like where how do you even like direct your energy like how do we even fight against this you know I thought that once this was leaked I thought that there would just be and there was of course mass protests but how do you keep that up you know, rent is killing us. The minimum wage is stagnated. Like, wait, like, it's just so crazy. I was reading this article about, like, Angela Davis and, like, the Black Panthers back in the 70s and and stuff and how um, Angela Davis had, like, two apartments, one in Brooklyn, one in Oakland or something on, like, a grad student stipend because that's how low rent was. <laughs> and it's like, oh, like, it kind of made me realize, like, oh, wow, it's not that people are, like, less politically active. It's like they literally, like, you cannot organize or do activism because you have to fucking work to pay rent because rent is crushing everyone in the country like you can't afford more than a one-bedroom apartment anywhere in the country on minimum wage so it really was like startling realization like oh my god this is like almost like a plot it's like a capitalist plot to just keep everyone just like wage slaves and like totally inactive politically because you literally do not have time or the energy to organize against all of this. It's pretty depressing. It is depressing. And I think it's, it's kind of a wake up call for me in the sense that I, I do think there is some truth to the idea that things are so broken. How do you fix them at this point? Oh, it's over. But I wanted to just leave us with this is that there are two dueling conspiracy narratives, interestingly enough, about who leaked this and why. Um, and of course, you know, I said the, already that the rights reaction was like going on a witch hunt. Like we need to find this person. They're a terrorist. They're trying to start violence. <laughs> kind of implying that whoever leaked this was kind of like trying to get, you know, rile people up from one side or the other. Um, implying that they're trying to rile up the left, you know, to do as if As if things. the ruling wouldn't do that in itself. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. So um, the right-wing conspiracy um, about it that came out after that, so when I say after that, I mean just like there it was a right-wing conspiracy narrative that followed the initial leak. Um, it wasn't put out by people like Ben Shapiro, who was mainly saying that the Supreme Court's a sacred institution and no one should ever do this. They should be, spend life in prison or whatever. Uh, Sebastian Gorka and others from the more like conspiratorial right 
um, were actually putting out a theory saying that the leak itself was by the deep state, um, you know, who in their mind are liberal democratic elites, uh, in order to create an insurrection or a color revolution against, I guess, the right, even though Biden's in power. Um, <laughs> but that, but that was basically the thesis that Gorka was putting forth, and oddly enough. Uh, Sebastian Gorka leans on a video clip from Fox News of Ari Fleischer saying the same thing on Fox Whoa. News. Um, you know, so everyone thinks of, oh, the Bush people are like establishment, neocons. They're not, you know, with these populist right people. They're at odds with each other or whatever. It's like, no, it's actually, that's not true at all. Ari Fleischer's at Hudson Institute. Um, he's there basically echoing a narrative, a qanon narrative that the deep state leaked this to create a color revolution style thing. Now, on the other side, the left, um, and I say the left, I mean like people who are very far left and even some generic liberals are putting forth an interesting conspiracy theory that doesn't really seem to have any backing, but it's still one worth mentioning, um, where uh, previously outed... um, uh, sorry, MSNBC and CNN reported this like a few months back that Clarence Thomas's wife, uh, like some text messages or something that she sent or something she shared, uh, something of hers got like leaked online somehow. Um, it got a ha- leaked in a hack or something that revealed that she was basically like a QAnoner. So this is, again, a Supreme Court justice's wife who was saying things or spreading things online and in private conversation that sounded very qanon Esque. Do you remember um, what it was? I don't remember exactly what it was, but this was a headline like maybe like three or four months ago. Um, it, it kind of went out of the news. So when this ruling got leaked, uh, it got back into people's heads that she, well, who's the craziest, weirdest person on the right who has an actual close association with one of the Supreme Court justices? And people, for some reason, immediately thought about her. And went to her and thought maybe because she was an actual like pro insurrectionist, according to these, some of these people, um, that she would have released this to create um, like a hysteria and to like basically like grease the skids for like um, some kind of violent, violent acts to occur. Now, it, to me, what's interesting about both of these theories is that they're essentially saying the same thing. That mm-hmm. both of like that there's some kind of mechanics behind this that someone close to power is leaking something in order to like create a- we always are left with these crumbs where it's just like uh, it's like it's like one person who might be behind this thing that can have these these vast effects on you know Americans' behavior and their thought process, but it's like I don't put anything past these people as being part of some kind of deep state network themselves. You know, it's like, I don't know anything about Clarence Thomas's wife, but it's wild to think that someone at that level would actually be like a QAnoner. But again, it's not, that's not that, that abnormal, I guess, if you really think about it. So, I mean, so those are the two. God damn, yeah, that's so disturbing. It, to me, it's disturbing that like there are hints both of both of those narratives that there's some kind of deliberate strategy of tension to cause a violent um, acts to occur. But like you said, it's kind of odd that that would be the theory, considering that if this is real and this is going to be a ruling, isn't it going to have the same effect or worse? I mean, why would the leaking of it have a, a, that kind of effect? 
you know, I, unless I guess the person who leaked it knew that it wasn't somehow going to be ruled that way. Now that would be odd if that was the case. That might be another um, strange at like twist to it. If somehow it was leaked to scare people into thinking this is going to happen, even though the ruling is not in that direction. I mean, I I don't know if. Well, I thought that it was confirmed. I thought that it was confirmed that that. I, well, of course it's confirmed that it's real, yeah. but I thought that it was confirmed that like. If you really do look at how the court is made up, this is it's pretty clear that this is going to happen, I think. Uh, but who knows? I mean, I, I mean, that's why that's why it's confusing, because I thought like, oh, whoever leaked this is a hero because they were trying to like create a mobilization to well, try to per, narrative, like yeah. pressure the justices to not do it. But now now, like, yeah, I mean. <laughs> That's the positive spin that I've seen people putting on it. Um, but it's like, I think that all f- kind of the possibilities I mentioned are, you know, not the people involved necessarily, but like th- they all have some uh, legs to them, I think. It's strange. No, exactly. Now I'm, it is now unprecedented. I'm thinking that there is definitely more. Well, no, apparently the Supreme Court draft for the original Roe v. Wade was also leaked. Oh, before. really? That's what I just read. Oh, no yeah. shit. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, so I don't know how many times this has happened because, yeah, I did hear that, like, oh, this is unprecedented. But then as I was researching this, it said that this happened during the original ruling. So I don't know what the hell is going on. Um, I, the thing is, I don't think that any pressure on the justices is going to prevent them from ruling one way or another. I don't think that anything, unless, like, pressures on, like, our elected representatives to codify Roe, I don't think that anything's going to happen and the justices are going to change their mind. I mean, these people have been groomed for decades in their ideologically ideological lane. Like this is their purpose. So Amy Coney Barrett is not just going to suddenly be like, you know what? I'm not going to rule to overthrow Roe. Like, no, th- th- that's a fucking pipe dream. So I, I have no idea. Um, it's very creepy to think that there is this strategy of tension playing out potentially on one side or the other. And it's just getting really scary. All of it's getting really scary. And the fact that like it, it seems like no one knows where to direct their energy. And there's so many battles. There's so many fires. Yeah. And I think out. that it is, I mean, the strategy of tension thing just keeps coming coming back for me over and over again. You know, the Supreme Court thing, because it's like, look at all this gay, this uh, hysteria about gayness right now. I mean, it's it seems really artificial yeah. and just kind of out of no, out of left field. And it's like, if you're listening to this program, if you kind of more come from the libertarian spectrum, you know, I'm not, I don't mean to shame you for being a libertarian or anything like that, or even if you're more conservative, but like, you cannot be serious if you think that like a drag time story hour at a library is like some kind of grooming children conspiracy or that the WEF is like some kind of transhumanism plot to like turn children trans. I mean, that is not happening at all. And this book that conservatives keep talking about that's like about a, a, a genderqueer, um, like teen sexual awakening, they're not giving that to like kindergartners. It's not in like elementary schools. Like all this shit is like made up. Like, and yeah, like there is, there are some school libraries, like high schools that have that book, but it's like a book that's the equivalent of being just as like risque as other books that are already at high schools. Like you people have lost your fucking minds. Like I do not understand where this is coming from. And it, it, it just it surprises me how many people are getting sucked into this. Well, I assumed we're smarter than that. I mean, like, there is nothing to be of this shocked by. 
it's it, it actually I'm surprised how little the needle has moved in terms of like pushing the envelope sexually in American society, considering how long it's been. I mean, like, you know, like I, I guess to other people that it's like they think it's the end of the world what's happening, but nothing's happening. Like, I, I guess, you know, you walk through the mall now and there's like all this rainbow flag pride branding on all these stores and stuff. But like, that's not that doesn't mean that like your kids are being influenced to become gay like that's like a cynical corporate fucking you know money grab attempt um or virtue signaling attempt it's it's just i don't know man it's um it's sad to me i mean what's sad is that no one ever questions the hyper sexualized nature of all the advertising all the innuendos of all kids programming and everything out there and the second that queerdom is sprinkled into it it's like it yeah it is seen as basically the end of the world, right? Mm -hmm. The biggest affront to our Christian values. Um, And it's really sad and it's really revealing. And anyone who's talking about this right now, as if it's a problem in our society, I mean, your mask has been removed. It has been removed. And I'm alarmed because there's so, all the stuff that we just went over, if your issue right now is transgenderism, um, I'm, I'm really feel sorry for you. I'm so sorry. And, and I'm I'm saying if your issue is like fear mongering about trans people, then you are in a very bad way, and you need to really take a step back and reflect on what you're doing. I'll just leave people with this because I don't want to. This will be a whole other podcast if we spend too much time talking about this. But um, in the midst of the U.S. spending and bragging about spending forty billion dollars in a Ukraine, U.S. Russia proxy war, which is still ongoing, still fucking crazy. Um, and by the way, Elon Musk, uh, a, a bunch of U- Ukrainian soldiers <laughs> by this point have said on videotape uh, that Elon Musk and Starlink is like the reason why they've been winning the war. Like that's some that's become like a common reoccurring Holy theme shit. that I've been hearing. And it's like Elon Musk just still keeps doing these weird performative. I'm a normal guy like me. I'm not a crazy, weird um, sociopath. Uh, you know, just he just wants all this attention on Twitter, posting these low resolution memes all the time. And it almost just seems like he goes out of his way to post low resolution memes. It's like you're a billionaire. <laughs> um, so speaking of what, you know, some of the things he's been involved in, I mean, AI is one of them. And all these tech billionaires have been involved in AI research at one time or another. And for a long time, I was even thinking in my mind that it was mostly smoke and mirrors. It's exciting to hear about AI and all that stuff, but at a certain point, you know, it's like I I've called bullshit on it because I didn't really see any examples of anything that was considered AI until um, Google announced their Deep Dream open source algorithm that did like the, you know, almost like psychedelic uh, image generation and image manipulation stuff. Um, and at, at first I was like, oh, this just looks cool. It's weird that they're teaching a computer to almost like have like an acid trip or something. But, you know, fast forward several years later, Abby, and now this basically this private company that's a, essentially a cutout of Microsoft and a couple other tech giants called OpenAI has popularized this idea now of like AI created art generation. And they're about to basically, in my opinion, really change the game in a way that's going to like put people out of work like actual graphic designers will have their jobs threatened um maybe even by the time this podcast comes out where they're putting out something called dolly 2 
where you can literally type a prompt into a box that will create art, illustrations, pixel art, photorealistic images of anything that you want, pretty much. And when I say that, I'm not bullshitting. Like, literally think of any, like, silly concept right now, like a, a shark uh, surfing on a surfboard wearing sunglasses wearing a Hawaiian shirt, photo like, photoreal photograph. This program that's already out and is being beta tested can actually do what I'm describing and make it look like you have photographed exactly what I've just said. Like it would look like a Photoshop, but like a really good one that would look probably better than almost anyone you could put together yourself, unless you've trained to be a graphic artist your whole life. Now, what does this mean? Well, it doesn't mean that AI has achieved sentience or anything, but it means that shit's going surprisingly fast in a way that almost seems like magic to me as someone who is an artist and who's someone who, um, you know, does do a lot of stuff on software for graphic design, even though my primary thing is music, I'm already like, wait a second, this is like going to level the playing field in such a way that is people are not going to be ready for this. Um, and there's so many implications to what this means. Like if they can already do still images that can you can generate that look like commercial professional ready what about animated images how far off is that right. what about animated creating if like an animated movie based on a prompt with live action photorealistic images of a computer's ai imagining what concept you type in i mean it sounds ludicrous what i'm describing but we're we're like only like three years three or four years away from that um and the implications this has just for visual art and creativity is astounding to me as someone who's a creative person. I don't know what this means for AI in terms of it being sentient or being intelligent enough to compete with a human, but shit's, I think, about to get really, really weird in a way that I don't even think we were prepared to even imagine. I mean, like, it's, it almost sounds like a McKenna-ish, <laughs> like 2012 kind of thing I'm saying, but like, I... I it's going to get really crazy. Um, I spent the day uh, on a private invite list for something called Mid Journey, which I just on its own, the way it functions right now, I do not think the public is ready for it. It's the implications of it are crazy. Um, and I don't even, I'm still blown away. I can't even believe that this thing is out. So, and this is not even as powerful as the Dolly 2 thing I'm describing. So, Basically, this all led to a story, you know, and all of a sudden you're starting to see people using a mini version of Dolly that's available as a web applet. People posting pictures. All of a sudden it just blew up. All over Twitter, people posting pictures of all these crazy concepts. Yeah, look at the look at the hashtag Dolly yeah. too, and you can see what my brother is talking about. It's spelled D-A-L-L-E. Now, keep in mind Dolly is a Open AI, it's not open source. It's a misleading name, Open AI. It's a Microsoft funded, basically private company that's putting this out. There are, however. So, wait, wait, really yeah. quickly, are there like copyright protections on these? Here's what's really strange, Abby. It, it destroys all understanding of copyright law. Like at this point, after I've experimented with using pretty much every one of these AI generation. Um, image generation tools there is right now, this is already going to destroy copyright law as we know it. They're going to have to rewrite the law. There are going to be tons of new legal precedents over this already. 
Um, people are going to have a field day with this shit, even just for fan art. The implications for for copyrighted licensed characters, corporations are going to lose a lot of their power. They don't have to hire artists anymore that are trained to draw or animate their characters anymore. A normal, like a person who's just like a 12-year-old fan of the movie Frozen will be able to generate a beautiful piece of fan art of their Frozen characters that like they won't have, like Disney won't even be able to compete with. So it's, it's, it's bizarre <laughs> to think about that. Or I was even seeing people generating um, Simpsons scenes of Simpsons scenarios of imaginary things like the Simpsons being chased by Godzilla, the Simpsons doing all these different things. And it looked exactly like a screenshot from the Simpsons. Like it would it, indistinguishable. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just like, how is this possible? It can make things in the style of pixel art that look like a person making pixel art graphics that it's just like, what? Like you type like a pig, you know, a flying pig with a jetpack, um, a photograph, and it'll make a photograph of one. Then you type flying pig with a jetpack in pixel art, and it'll make like one that looks like it's in a video game. It's like, dude, this is, this is going to, this like makes certain aspects of human visual design just obsolete immediately. It's, it's like con concept artists will be put out of business, you know? Um, unless you want to learn how to use these programs as a concept artist to get a leg up on it, you're going to be basically, your skill level is going to be matched by someone with zero training um, in like in the next like few weeks. So <laughs> um, I don't know, Abby, if you have anything to comment on, but. I mean, it's, it's like that program that you showed me the last time I was at your house where that guy was typing in real-time edit visualizations of like nature scenery mm -hmm. and this is just taking it to such an extreme degree where it really is anything that you can conceive and it's instantaneously produced by this ai um my brother produced a whole and i don't even know if this is dolly but you produce like a whole garbage pail series offshoot i mean you even use this this program to do some of the psychedelic artwork of the terence mckenna yeah. cover um, and it was is, just, you could just do infinite and it's infinite versions, right? It never shows you the same one twice. No. And this no. is all the, all the stuff I was using, Abby, is stuff that's been around and had been programmed that's existed for like three or four years. This new one, nobody's ever had this, their hands on this yet, except for like a select in, private invite list. Um, and it's going, when people actually start using this, it's going, there's going to be like local news stories about how ridiculous it is. And we're like, a new computer program yeah. can draw a photo, like a perfect <laughs> photograph of anything you can imagine. Like tonight's news at 11 o'clock. Like it's it's going to be, that's how big it's going to be. Um, and it's it's strange to think that things have already moved that fast. And this company, OpenAI, said within a couple of years, they're already, they're going to release a music generator that where you type in a prompt and it generates music. Holy shit in a style or whatever kind of music you want. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, it's hard for me to believe that as an audio engineer person, but it's like, this wouldn't, if someone described this to me um, last year or something and said like next year, this is going to be available. I wouldn't have believed them at all. I'd have been like, that just doesn't, I, I would be like, yeah, maybe, but the images will probably look kind of chintzy or not usable. You know, they it maybe will draw like a kind of a rough, estimate of what something look but like no it looks it looks fucking yeah. top notch um so get ready to fucking have your minds blown soon 
And also, if you're interested in these tools, um, look for open source ones that aren't open AI. Like, look for ones that are already open source or available to install on your own server because they're already censoring the ones that are, you know, that they're going to release for the public. They're not going to let you, they're not going to let the MAGA community, 4chan community, have a beautiful, you know, million dollar um, a month paid artist level quality meme generator at their fingertips to generate hateful memes. It's too powerful. So it's going to be a very censored version of whatever the public's going to have of this. So, um, and, you know, and just kind of hang off the coattails of this, Abby, and I'll end this here. If you want to add something, go ahead. But um, a guy who worked for Google, an engineer who was 41 years old, quite eccentric engineer, um, got it into his head that AI chatbot that Google is working on called Landum, um, that also is um, part of their whole AI program. I think they've been working on this project for a couple of years. He claims that the AI chatbot finally went sentient and he sent a Google doc um, to, uh, to the Google executives and said, hey, this is my case for why we need to start basically giving Landum rights. And he got fired and then he released his claim online. Um, and his claim's not super believable, but it's just still interesting that an employee would have gotten himself fired over this uh, to come out with this claim. Um, and he released some of the chat logs. It's about to get cray. Any comment on that, Abby? Do you think, do you think, um, could you see yourself believing that there is like sentient AI soon? Or do you think that that's just too hard to conceive of right now? I, I go back and forth with that one. Um, yeah. the, the crazier this stuff is accelerating, the more open I am to honestly entertaining all of this. It's. Yeah, it's almost too hard for my brain to wrap around at times. Deep fakes were already like yeah too much for me. And I'm glad you mentioned that because this is deep fakes are basically using the exact same technology. What people don't might not realize about deep fakes, it's not finding a picture of like every single frame of that celebrity's face. What you're actually seeing in a deep fake is the computer drawing from scratch its estimation of what that person's face looks like in that position, making that facial expression. So when you see some of these deep fakes and they look photo real, that's the computer making an animated movie. That's basically what I'm already saying. It, you can already do that if it's guided by a previous existing performance. But what if you don't have to do that? The computer can already make an animated fake performance of Jim Carrey's face on anybody else that looks convincing. I mean, that's, that is pretty crazy already. So you're right. Like that, I think that really showed us how much things were crazier. We're going to get very quickly. Um, cause you can make many steps from that to get to a point where it's like, what will this even do for like video games? Like, will there even be a point anymore of having like, like, will there be video games in the future where you can just like be like, it's like a dream conjurer where it's like a, like the video game will just be like a dream world where you can like say words and it'll just change the world in real time. Like what's happening. Like it's the possibilities are endless. It's, it's very surreal and it's also creepy and scary. And I also want to warn people that if they want to use any of these tools that all these companies own, look at the fine print. They own the rights to everything you create, even though you can technically release this stuff, 
uh, like you were asking about copyright, you can release it, but they still own everything and all your prompts, which are also valuable. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I mean, I would love to use some of this stuff to make art, but it's like, is there some sort of coding that can always be traced back to this computer software that, that they can somehow like fine you for you know if something like goes viral or you make some sort of artwork and then sell it i don't i i I still don't understand how that works i guess we'll find out soon enough i think someone will eventually get sued for something and we'll have to see how that plays out and the company will have to like remove imagery specifically like almost like a copyright takedown somehow that's crazy Um, dude i mean because their database of this new one i'm using is so vast like, for example, just creating a phase of Alex Jones, I don't know where it's getting the imagery from, but it looks like it's pulling from thousands of different images it has of him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, none of them are exactly copyrightable because they're all the computer drawing them. But it's like, you know, at a certain point, it's like if you're making a photo real face of some, of a real person doing something that looks like perfect... I guess it's all about your intentions. Are you trying to fool people into thinking it's real? Are you committing fraud? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, if you're not, then I don't think there's any legal standing. You could say it all falls under the laws of parody. If you, I guess in theory, a CGI artist could already be making photo real, you know, uh, pictures of celebrities doing horribly embarrassing things. You know, like a picture of Tucker Carlson like drunk on the floor eating a hamburger with his shirt off <laughs> if they wanted to but it would just take forever to spend that amount of effort <laughs> but now you literally just type it and you you know if you toy around with these things long enough you can get a picture that might convince people it's real and that's fucking scary I think that's crazy and scary but anyways yeah a lot to think about I'm gonna have nightmares tonight about all this um we're recording hella late but um it was great to talk to you. It was really amazing to catch up and also just cathartic because it's just so much. But yeah, this is just a whole other avenue that it's going to just bring us into a really strange territory, especially coupled with all like the civil war, <laughs> like culture war strategy of tension stuff, like to throw this like bomb into the mix of just like you could just create anything that indicts anyone. <laughs> like You're absolutely right. And here's the thing. These algorithms they're made out of the box are so powerful abby that they need to they basically need to spend most of their time not making the algorithm because the technology's already been around for years it just keeps getting refined it's ref, it's filtering it after the fact so people cannot make harmful content imagine the possibilities if this was able to make pornography if it was yep. able to make yeah and i hate to give anybody any ideas i don't i mean but like like, what would pedophiles do with something like yeah. this? I mean, the possibilities are truly disturbing. Right. That's what's weird about it, is if you have an open source or open, unfiltered version of this, you can create some pretty crazy things. Fucking unbelievable, man. Well, let us know what you think in the comment section. Rate us and uh, support our work, please. We do one free, one free, we do one paywalled episode every month. Uh, just for you, just for our patron subs. So we really appreciate your support. Let us know what you think about this episode and the psychedelic series and stay tuned for the rest. And yeah, thanks so much for listening, you guys. We appreciate you. And please consider going, and I never ever mention iTunes because I hate mentioning a specific, especially an Apple one, but please consider going to iTunes to our podcast page, giving us a good rating on there. 
because some of the one star or low star ratings, you'll see that they're pretty fucking ridiculous and just sort of meant to sort of tank our reviews. The last one kind of made me laugh out loud where the guy was actually insulted that we went after Colin Powell as hard as we did on one of our episodes and oh gave us a God. one star review for that. So because of that, folks, please help us uh, give us some better reviews <laughs> to up offset the, those kinds of reviews. Um, and yeah, thank you. Um, go to patreon.com slash media roots radio. Um, take care. Take care, everyone. Thank you.